there, Steve Wills, the Internet's crying wrestling favorite. And let me tell you, live and in color with Wolfie D is one heck of a podcast. Wolfie D is great. He's a great podcaster. Oh, he's still running me, damn it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Wolfie, how you doing, man? You doing okay today? I'm doing great, man. I'm just sitting out here in my little private gazebo with my hot tub. Not necessarily in the hot tub at the moment, but just chilling out back here, ready to talk a little yeah. wrestling, a little PG-13, yeah. to the P, to the G, plus the one and the three. That means J.C. Ice and I'm Wolfie D. We ain't playing no games, so you better huh. beware. You don't like us, yeah. so what? We really don't care. Oh man, that is amazing, folks! That is a that is a Wolfie D exclusive right there. Nobody else can do it like him. <laughs> oh man, it sounds awesome. Well, you know, sounds like you're you know living the life, and and that's what we like to hear, man. You know, not to take it down a note here, <laughs> but yeah. we we do kind of want to start with a bit of a somber note. The wrestling world was really you know rocked by you know three yeah. losses recently. Yeah, yeah. The the number one was Jody Hamilton, the assassin. Uh, Wolfie, mm-hmm. I know you've been everywhere, man. Did you have any run-ins with with Jody at all, man? Unfortunately, that I'm aware of, I was never around him. Uh, a little before my yeah. time, uh, so right. I can't really speak on that. I can speak on the fact that as a child, you know, watching the assassins, I mean, they were they were yeah. awesome. But uh, as far as personally, I don't have any anything really on that one yeah i got to see him wrestle boogie woogie man one time at council virginia if that counts but <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah that was in the the mid the uh, mid 80s yeah yeah anyway he was scary to me at that time so <laughs> and then of course you know you spoke so eloquently that's on our youtube page live and in color with wolfie d podcast that's on our Facebook page. That's on your personal page. Speaking about Burt Prentice, before yeah. you start, I, I want to say a quick story. So when we first met, Wolfie D and I, I was working a gimmick for, I was a Saudi prince. And I'm a little mm-hmm. more Caucasian than the normal Saudi prince. <laughs> and um, I worked for, for Mike Porter. I was working for him my first matches. Didn't know him that well, but I was booked there and got me booked on a Burt Prentice show. And Burt looked me up and down. And he said, well, I'll use you, but we got to get you a better gimmick. (laughs) I didn't change my gimmick, but probably should have, you know, knowing that Bert said that to me. But anyway, uh, do you want to speak on Bert for just a second, Wolfie? Man, yeah, like I said, and I went on Randy Hill's podcast the other night. We talked about Bobby and Bert. So I've told this story a couple of times. Uh, Just to sum up Bert, though, 
Bert was a hustler, man. Bert was one of the last of the old school carnies, man. That's straight up what he was. Some people didn't like him for that reason, uh, especially yeah. more new school people. Have I had my differences with, uh, with Bert? Absolutely. He was not a PG-13 fan when I first met him. Uh, he was a manager. He wasn't right. a promoter at that time. He was managing Honey teams up. against us. And, uh, you know, so he, he wasn't the biggest fan. But, you know, within the past, you know, 15 years or whatever, um, Bert and I, I consider him, you know, a, a, a friend, you know, because sure. as I said in this other thing, and I know some people have listened to the others, and, I, you know, I hate to repeat myself, but there's a lot of people that haven't heard it. Uh, right. I could call Bert at any time and be like, Yo, somebody canceled on me on the 15th, man. Can you hook me up? And nine times out of ten, Bert would hook me up. Bert always used me well. Um, one thing I didn't talk about that kind of led up to the story I'm going to tell is that Bert always called me a bully. <laughs> and it was because yeah, yeah. I, I always worked stiff, always have. I mean, Road Dog used to tell me, Wolfie, man, your punches is like getting hit in the side of the face with a rubber mallet. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just work like that. I'm safe, but you know, I work tight, man. And right. uh, so realistic. I, there was, yeah. yeah. And there was one night where I was working, uh, style and Shane eating. And that was kind of one of his guys at the time. Right. And I emptied and Shane was hard to work with good kid, but not the brightest. And he would do weird things. But at any rate, uh, <laughs> I emptied the toolbox from under the ring that they put the ring together with. I first, and I hit him with the toolbox, and it was a metal toolbox. I hit him with the toolbox, and then I kind of used everything that was in it to do whatever. And <laughs> yeah. I said I was a bully. So I think it was the following week, and I'm wrestling Shane again. So Bert has his, you know, 45-minute intermission to sell everything he's got and everything you got exactly. in your pockets and <laughs> right. everything like that. Yep. So... <laughs> my music plays I'm the hill I go to the ring I'm in there jawing with the people getting my heat suddenly my music stops and Bert has the microphone and he's running towards the ring <laughs> waving his hands in the air hold on yeah. just a minute hold on just a minute I forgot to do the raffle we've got to do the raffle and man I thought what in the hell is he doing he is any heat that I got right this second just went down the toilet. Any anticipation yeah. of this match just went down the toilet. And I knew enough, had been around long enough, where this shit wasn't going to fly with me. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> he's standing up against the ring. And he gets down there, and he's got his back you know, to the ring, kind of his butt on the apron there. And I jumped out of the ring before he could get anything else going. I jumped out of the ring. I literally got, like, nose-to-nose -nose with him. And to, with gritted teeth where the people in the front row – where nobody can really hear what I was saying to him. And I said, Bert, if you don't play that motherfucker's music, I swear to God, I'm going to punch you right in the face. And he just <laughs> looked at me. The look on his face was fucking classic, man. It was that Bert. You know how you, you see pictures of him, people have snapped where he's sitting like at the gimmick table by himself or whatever before the show. Right, he's right. got that, like, yeah. that long face. Right. That's what was looking at me. So, <laughs> I just sat there for a second, and I said, Bert, he stared at me for a minute, and he replied, he said, Wolfie, I've got to get this raffle in. And I said, Bert, <laughs> you're not fucking doing the raffle right now. Play the motherfucker's music, or I'm punching you. 
yeah. he, I think he knew he was a little unsure of whether I would or not. You know, the bully, so so called, from him might punch me in right. the face. Right. So suddenly he turns around with the microphone. And he goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and have this exciting match between Wolfie D." Stop and Shane Eaton, and then we'll get on with the raffle. But Wolfie says he can't wait to get his hands on you know blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah, so we Turned go it into the match. Yeah. but just ever the show classic bird yeah, man. Yeah, totally classic, classic bird. bird. <laughs> yeah, and and I remember the one sh- you know show I did with him that was a pretty big draw. It was I got to manage uh, Dutch against Jerry the King, and that was awesome. And I remember I think he ran two intermissions, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't oh, know. Oh, I don't doubt normal. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if he could, if somebody told me he could smell money in somebody's pocket. So, oh, yeah. anyway, oh, yeah. I don't want to speak ill of Bert because I think Bert was a great guy. No, that's that not ill. That's amazing. just Bert. That, I give him props yeah. for being the hustler that he was. But the funny part of it was he felt that I was being a bully to one of his guys. So that was his way of getting back at me because, you know, he did not forget to do his raffle. He just wanted to mess with me. Never. (laughs) Yeah. So were you guys the main event that night? Do you remember? Were you the main event? No, it was, it was, it was it was coming straight out of intermission. Um, Okay. I don't remember what was was ahead of us or whatever, but yeah. Okay, that was a great story, Wolfie. And, and honestly, man, uh, you know that that I can just see all of that happening. You know, so do you remember <laughs> yeah. the time frame of that? Like, what year that would have been? Uh, probably around ninety-seven, maybe eight, something like that. Okay, it was cool. at the fairgrounds in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that's a great Bert story. Of course, rest in peace, Bert. We know you're you're yeah. running an intermission in heaven right now. So, um, <laughs> so uh, this one is hurts us all right now. The last of the three, and it seemed like it was so quick. And you know, they say famous people they pass in threes, wrestlers pass in threes, yeah. and it does seem like that happens. And and this one honestly uh, has hit us all hard. And 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 you know the beautiful one, Bobby Eaton. Honestly, and I'm going to leave this to you because you're the expert, but in my opinion, the one of the best to ever do it. Not just tag team, singles, whatever. I'm, In my personal opinion, Bobby was one of the best to ever put on a pair of boots. And um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%, man. Bobby could make anybody look good. He made everybody yeah. in the ring, and I'm talking about the referees, the managers, the other wrestlers, the guys on his side. Whoever was better because of Bobby being in the ring with him. Uh, One of the best at calling it on the fly, man. Bobby didn't really go over stuff. I never, ever got the opportunity to work with Bobby, but I know this. Bobby didn't really go over stuff. Bobby called it all in the ring. And and, and when you look at the speed and the magnitude of the stuff he was doing, that's amazing. That's amazing to be able to to get those combinations on the fly like that. Um, Right. But I, but personally, you know, um, there was a time period, uh, probably in the mid '90s there, where me and Jamie, Jamie lived with his girlfriend, I lived with my ex-wife and my child. Bobby lived with a with a guy named Donnie Ernesto. Donnie, he called himself Donnie Eaton uh, when he wrestled okay. shortly, and uh, so Bobby was living with him because him and Donna were separated. Well, that's where I really first met Bobby. Um, yeah. And we would all go to the, the, it was all in the same apartment complex. We'd all go to the pool. And I'm going to tell you, Bobby loved kids, man. He he was a, God, his heart was so big, man. And he always called my daughter, uh, Darlin. Hey, Darlin, how you doing, Darlin? He'd pat her on the head and he'd get in the pool. You know, me and, uh, and, and Chris Michaels, I don't know if I said that. Chris Michaels lived there too with his wife and his kids. 
and uh, yeah. Skyler. Skyler is the boy. Uh, so, yeah. you know, me and Chris and Jamie, we'd all be laying out tanning, you know, probably had a show coming up. <laughs> trying to get all dark. Sure. Bobby's in the pool just playing with the kids, man. And yeah. it was just, that was just Bobby. And, and then later on, because um, when I went to WCW, Bobby wasn't around. So I didn't see Bobby much there. Um, but then TCW, Traditional Championship Wrestling, around, I guess that was 2010-ish or something like that, 2003, sure. I can't remember, uh, out of right. Missouri. Uh, what's the kid that ran that? Uh, I don't know. Right. His family had a shit ton of money, man. And uh, they ran it. They no. started it out really, really good, man. And then, you know, they booked their friends and think they can book better than the people that have been in the business a long time. And I think that's what the downfall was. And maybe they ran out of money. Mom and dad said, pull the plug on it. But uh, right. at any rate, Bobby was an agent. Um, so, you know, uh, had, a, had I was around Bobby again a lot there. You know, I had changed my gimmick from what he had seen last. My work had, you know, gotten 10 times better, in my opinion. And Bobby just constantly put me over, man, you know. And uh, coming from him, it meant a lot, you know. Something like him. Oh, to, yeah. He told me how much I had reinvented myself and one of the best makeovers he's ever seen and, you know, stuff like that. So, but, yeah, man, Bobby was absolutely the nicest guy in the wrestling business. Uh, I think Bobby also died of a broken heart. Now, his health ain't been good for a long time. Uh, right. He just uh, had a... A pacemaker and all that kind of stuff, and uh, but you know Donna, his wife, who is Jamie's sister, Bill right. Dundee's daughter. That's who yeah. Bobby was married to, right. and you know she right. passed, you know, a few weeks ago, and yeah. I think that has a lot to do with why Bobby got sick and died suddenly. I really do. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Johnny Cash, the same. Yeah, Johnny Cash, that happened to him. It, you know, his wife dies, and it wasn't a month or two later. You know, he was gone. And to me, I get that. You know, Bobby, you know, as big of a heart as Bobby had with all us dudes, us guys yeah. who he knew better, you know, his his wife passed. And, I mean, you know it broke his heart, honestly. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It happened to my parents. Uh, my stepfather passed away. Right before Thanksgiving, they had been in a nursing home together for yeah. as roommates for like 10 years or something like that. And both of them in bad health, in and out of the hospital all the time. Well, Pete didn't make it back from the hospital one night. And I knew pretty soon there my mom was going to go. And sure enough, it was about a month later, just a few days over a month. She died on Christmas night. And uh, that's a whole nother story. But well, yeah, we'll, same thing. Yeah, same yeah. thing. We'll get an episode in with about your folks too, man, because you know the cool story they had. And thank you, thank you, Wolfie, for sharing those things. I know this was a bummer kind of to start out, but we had to address the loss of those three men. Yeah. You know, all important to the wrestling, and and it seems so centralized too. The assassin had been popular in this area, Bert. You know, who may not be known on the biggest scene, but you know, if you look on Facebook, his pictures with Randy Orton because he helped Randy Orton get to where Randy Orton is. I mean, there's uh -huh. there's things you know about Bert that he's always helped the guys get to at least tryouts, you know, um, yeah. and or or even just a spot. You know, I've seen local wrestlers, Dyron Flynn, uh, Sean Hoodrich. I mean, a thousand different guys go to WWE and be a security guard on Raw, you know? So he was always doing yeah. that for guys. Yeah. And yeah. anyway. And real quick, well, let me throw this in. I forgot to, please forgot to mention this because this is pretty special too, is that 
when I came out of the PG-13 gimmick, obviously in PG-13 we wore tennis shoes. I didn't own a pair of boots. And so uh, in between yeah. the transition of Wolfie D to Slash, I really didn't know what I wanted to do or how I was going to do it. So just kind of wore yeah. tights, and I needed some boots. Bobby uh, let me wear his purple Midnight Express boots. So there's many a match that I had in a pair of Bobby's boots, which is kind of special. Oh, man, we got to find pictures of that, Wolf. Man, that's I awesome. think I got some somewhere. I'll have to look. Okay. That is amazing. Do you know what happened to those? You just get them back to him and uh, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I would have been like Bobby, can I buy these from your brother? But you were, <laughs> <laughs> you were going in a different direction with your gimmick too. That's the other thing. I don't know if Midnight Express boots were going to work in the Ultimate Pick. No, not for Slash. Slash. <laughs> yeah, Slash. I'm telling you, Slash was like the third unknown Road Warrior. He was like, but also like <laughs> dark. Like, honestly, you would have fit so well in the Ministry of Darkness. I mean, you would have fit yeah. so well. That, that, I know you were still working PG-13 at that time, but anyway, there's a thousand different times you would have worked in through the gears that just yeah. seemed to figure out and just a little too early for you. Okay, so that being said, and we do extend our condolences to the family and friends. Much love from the Wolfie D podcast. Any time this happens to us, we want to make sure we recognize them. But now we're going to bring a, a little better vibe back to the podcast. This podcast I have named 1995 Part 1 because we could theoretically have 10 1995 podcasts. Now, I promise you we're not going to have 10 19. Wolfie will be like, dude, I quit. But uh, <laughs> it's pretty, 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 pretty in the woods on this stuff. So I'm getting deep. Now, I found Meltzer's, Dave Meltzer's archives on 1995 for PG-13 Wolfie D, okay? So what we're mm. going to do is we're going to go through date, and essentially you are going to correct what Meltzer got wrong, okay? So I'm going right. to put in here all these things about 1990. Now, this starts with one of y'all's best feuds ever. Tommy and Doug. Honestly, it spanned years. And then this will lead into the, the Rock and Roll Express, and then this will lead into the Smoky Mountain USWA feud. This will then lead into the Tracy Smothers. I mean, but honestly, we're going to take it low and slow, just like Memphis Barbecue. We're going to take it easy. <laughs> we're going to enjoy ourselves. Does that sound good to you, man? Let's do it. All right, brother. So you, you've come out in 94. You know, you had three title reigns three title wins, and you're coming into 95 as the champions. On January 7th is the official first USWA championship wrestling TV. Now, we know it had been other initials and other names and stuff, but the official at WMC TV Channel 5 Studios, January 7th, 1995, was the official first broadcast of that. What that meant yeah. was, Jimmy, they, they redid the set. I mean, it's still in the TV5 studio, but if you right. recall, shows before that were a lot darker. The ring was different. Right. They brightened up the studio. They put a new ring mm -hmm. aprons, a new intro uh, to the show, yeah. and all that stuff. So that's basically really what that was. And that, that's a freshener up. And, you know, I'm making it seem bigger than it was. It may have been just a, a thing that happened, and then next week it looked different, you know. But still, long yeah. story short, that is what Meltzer's writing. And so so basically, you all beat the Hickersons in a non-title bout on that show. You know, we may never talk about the Hickersons again. We'll probably talk about them in a week. Who knows? But what are, what, yeah. what are your memories on the Hickersons there? Do you have any? Phil 
was an incredible worker, and I never got to work with Phil. The Hickersons that were on there, I cannot, and and if they're listening, I apologize. I can't remember what the Billy, – Billy Ray and, and, and something yeah. else. I can't remember their names, but they they were good workers, man. Um, Everybody but, yeah. at that time, you know, had to be or you weren't on TV, right? <laughs> well, so, to be honest with you, let me tell you this story. The – enhancement talent which we used to call job guys which is not pc anymore i guess at memphis the majority of them were freaking horrible freaking horrible the guys that you know you you knew you'd try to give them something and you just couldn't because they couldn't do it and it absolutely 100 percent, i believe made me better because i had to work around so much on live TV and trying to get my shit over and it's it was like pulling teeth to do certain things and it made me better because where where I could you know working arm drag somebody I was having to shoot arm drag people sometimes just to, you know just yeah. to get the move so yeah I mean yeah. some of those guys were the drizzle shits man yeah well hey you know and that seems to be the the reason they were in that position maybe you know exactly right. <laughs> yeah, we may not talk about as many of those, but uh, like I said, I'm getting like 95. You would be surprised at the image that I see in front of me right now. It's it's literally broken down, so it, it's going to get a little granular. And I apologize. You can speed it along as you wish. If you just say that didn't mean anything, or or we just it's not yeah. important, go ahead. We'll do it. So, yeah. like I said, yeah. you're the captain of the ship, Wolfie. So, okay, January 7th, you beat the Hickersons in a non-title. Then on January 9th at the Coliseum. You won over Tommy and Doug, and then you lost the titles to them in the same night. Okay. So basically, something probably happened that caused them to get another shot at you, and you you right. ended up losing the titles to that night. Why don't you instead? And you know, instead of getting specific on the exact whys and whats, why don't you tell us a little bit about Tommy and Doug? Give us a little. Give us your thoughts on Tommy and Doug. A little wall far. Obviously, as a child, I had watched Tommy Rich uh, a lot. I had seen Doug a little bit because he was he wasn't too far into the business. I think he started in the late '80s, and I was right yeah. there at '89, '90. But we didn't cross paths until you know uh, USWA. Um, I could tell you a lot of stories about Doug. Doug and I are good friends. Tommy and I were good friends. Uh, Tommy and I, in a way, have a love hate relationship. Uh, I love Tommy to death. He taught me a lot. So did Doug. Um, right. But in a very, Tommy's very, uh, he's a ribber, but his ribs are brutal. They're not ha-ha <laughs> ribs a lot of times. They're, they're make you want to fucking shoot him type right. of ribs. Right. And, right. Uh, I mean, this, you know, obviously we can't fade, but I rode around with them all the time. And, uh, right. you know, I, I'd wake up at fucking 7 o'clock in the morning to Tommy pushing me on the shoulder with a beer open. Hey, pussy, wake up. Drink a beer, you pussy. That's the type of shit I've, <laughs> I've rode around with and, li- and right. lived with. You know, uh, you know, partied a lot with him and stuff like that. And, but we became good friends. I know Tommy's wife and kids. And I know, you know, Doug's family. I uh, love Doug's family. I loved Eddie. Uh, got to wrestle Eddie one time, uh, but I rode with him a few times and Eddie was cool as a cucumber, man. And um, yeah. their dad, yeah. uh, Tommy, Tommy was always good to me. So, uh, personally, old school dude right there. Yeah, yeah man. Um, 
personally, you know, and I still talk to Doug quite a bit. Uh, Tommy tries to call me every now and then. Sometimes if I feel like <laughs> dealing with it, I'll answer. But sometimes yeah. I know he just wants to fuck with me, so <laughs> I won't answer the phone. Right, right, right. But, uh, right. <laughs> but in the <laughs> ring, man, some kind of way, uh, Randy, you know, Randy Hales was booking and had this idea, man, for this feud. We did so much stuff in that feud. Uh, we did an angle. And, of course, we have to remember, and I know you want to get into the dates, but I kind of want to sum up some of it. In That's that okay. Yeah. Eddie died uh, as we were beginning this feud, okay? Right, uh, right. So Doug took a hiatus, obviously, uh, for a while. And Gorgeous right. George III, who ended up being the maestro in WCW, he stepped right. in uh, as yeah. as Tommy's partner and did a hell of a job. He was a great worker, and he he was exactly the person we needed. Uh, I don't yeah. know that we would have found someone else that, that honestly stepped in and, and did the role that we needed him to do, man. He did a great job uh, in filling right. those shoes while Doug was gone. So, yeah, yeah did uh we brought in tommy's mom we brought in my mom we brought in my stepdad during this whole thing i know i'm kind of you know going ahead but we did so much we we had our head shaved we they did an angle where they put my eye out with some magic yeah. killer dangerous ink yeah um yeah tell you about that one <laughs> i kayfabe that shit so fucking much because that was back you know when kayfabe was still alive and i was firm believer to keep it alive right I, what what we did was uh took i took vaseline and literally rubbed it inside my eye where it was looked like my eye was leaking and then we right. take like cigarette ashes and put it around it to make it look like my eye was just leaking some kind of weird shit i had i wore an eye patch all that kind of stuff uh and i yeah i had a where i live um in a in a in a apartment the owners of the apartments were big wrestling fans. And you may know mm -hmm. James Pettico. Right, uh, yeah, yeah, sure do. His mother, right, yeah. his mother was the manager of those apartments. And he lived okay. there with her. And at this time, you know, James had nothing to do with the business. He was just a big mark. Right, And right. they were, I mean, every day he was knocking on my door <laughs> and all kinds of stuff, man. It was a... It was great because I, my rent was drastically reduced, but at the same time, I had to, you know, deal with pay that. for it in other ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, <laughs> when we do the eye angle, uh, like I said, I would go around town because back then, man, I'm telling you, people watched that show. They knew us. Those are the days when people would come up to me while I'm eating dinner, want to autograph. Uh, police would pull us over. Uh, and let us go. I'll get into some of those stories later. We were fucking over. Please. Um, yeah. We were yeah. really over at that time. And it got it got even more over uh, after the Tommy and Doug, but that's what started. So anyway, the story, <laughs> one Sunday morning, I'm asleep after the Saturday night in Nashville and doing the whole, eye, you know, my eyes put out angle. Yeah. <laughs> he knocked on my door and I answered the door half asleep forgot about my eye and you know him at that time bless his heart he believed every bit of it so sure I opened the door and the first thing he said was man how's your eye 
And all of a sudden, it clicked in my head. I slammed the door in his face, <laughs> and I ran back to the bathroom. I ran back to the bathroom, put the Vaseline in my eye, and doctored it up just a little bit, make it look legit, yeah. and came back to the door. <laughs> and I don't know that he ever noticed that he wasn't there the first no. time I answered the door. If he did, he never said it. <laughs> yeah. But that's how much I sold that shit. And that's, you know, back then, that's what you did, man. Hey, kids, learning this business right now, write that down. Dedication, kids. <laughs> and, and these were the days also that you didn't ride home with the guy you just beat or lost to also, by the way. so Well, if you um, did, if you did, you, you met him down you the hidden. road somewhere. You got, right, you got right. rode out with another baby face and met him down the road uh, and then got let out down the road from the building or had to meet somebody else or something like that or duck down on the floorboard or, you know. Yeah, exactly. And what like I that. meant by that was, yeah, what I meant by that was you don't leave the arena or the or the stadium or the right. the, the building, right. whatever. So, yeah, yep. so, dude, that's a great story. So, basically, going back here real quick, you know, on, on, on January 14th, you lost versus Tommy and Doug on TV in a tag match. And it, it, basically, it was a Scott Bowden's career match. And then, basically, you know, between that time, you know, you'll you'll wrestle in singles. You'll you'll beat Tommy. JC will beat Doug, or Doug will beat JC on a TV match. And then, like you said, unfortunately, on 18th of February, Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert passes away. And like you said, that does pause the matchup there and does insert Gorgeous George. And and thank you for speaking on Eddie there. You're quicker than me to the draw. So, but I don't want to mess up your flow. So, <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, on February 18th, you know, Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert passes away. Rest in peace, Eddie. Like I said, a great mind. I mean, can you think of what that dude would be doing right now if you think about it? I mean, he would probably have been, you know, several times with Vince and several times with somebody else. I mean, can you imagine what Eddie would have done? It's, it's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. Incredible booker. Like you said, incredible mind. I mean, he did a lot in Puerto Rico booking and what I mean, a great wrestler too. Not just a great mom, but a great wrestler. Yeah, and he lived through the the golden years. To me, my opinion, yeah, late eighties, early mid eighties, late eighties, early nineties. That's the golden years. And then it went into a lull, and then it had a huge resurgence. Mm-hmm. Massive Stone Cold, The Rock. Can you imagine? He would have had that time, and then he would have had now, which you know, again. Not just saying that Eddie's a great mind. Wolfie should be getting paid somewhere too, but we'll we'll get into that in another moment. But you know, long story short, rest in peace, hot stuff. So Doug is gone, and Gorgeous George fills in great. Yeah. Um, so now this is the one I wanted to ask you. Basically, long story short, here you're coming up on the end of this feud because Doug comes back. Okay, and from February 20th to March 13th, Tommy and George wrestled together. And then on the 13th, Doug comes back, and you guys have the super card at the Coliseum. And you guys beat Tommy and Doug in a cage. And your mom, Mama D, was handcuffed to Big Business Brown. After the match, Gorgeous George tried to attack your mom, but your stepdad yeah. made the save. A big dude made the save, your, your stepdad. He was like 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, I got a picture yeah. of my stepdad working security for a WWF show and Hogan's coming out and he's actually standing right next to Hogan and they're the same height. That's a trip, man. Cause you know, Hogan's a legit that tall too. So that's awesome. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that match. What do you remember about that match where your, your mom was handcuffed and well, just a second too, because the, 
there was two there was two main things that were skipping over of when they put my eye out the revenge was that i broke tommy's arm with a baseball bat and okay. that's going back to kayfabe too because and, and it's on youtube uh somewhere but it's it's a legit baseball bat and I must pat myself on the back for giving one of the best baseball bat shots that looked legit as hell. And I barely touched his arm. But yeah. he went and got uh, actually to a doctor and got casted, you know, not working the doctor or anything. He just knew somebody. So Tommy wore a cast on his arm for weeks uh, yeah. around town. And those are the type of things, like I said, with me doing the eye around town, Tommy wore right. a cast every that legitifies everything legitimizes everything man it's like people see that and they're well damn maybe he didn't get hurt you know why would he be well, what, well you know so it puts that question um where you can suspend because i've always said this man people will say to me when they find out you know if it's a, a you know now that i have a regular job and things like that or just in public they talk to you and they find out you're a wrestler yeah, they, one of the biggest things I hear is not so much these days, but back then you would hear, man, I know what y'all do is, you know, entertainment. And, and I hate it when they say the word fake because I say it's not oh, fake, it's, it's fake. Right. <laughs> but right. they'll say that. But then they'll follow up with, but, you know, there was this one time I was watching so-and-so and so-and-so. And man, he was mad for real, and that, and or that and he really did that to him, and blah blah blah. So, if you work it correctly, and sell the shit, and 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 like I said, even in public, if you have to, it's going to put yeah. a little doubt in their mind, and then they're going to be more likely to think, well, maybe something went wrong, or maybe he really got pissed, or or whatever. But who cares what their reasoning behind it is if they buy it? Because that's when right. they buy tickets. Especially then. I mean, I have to talk in terms of now and then because it's a whole different ball game now. Right, right. You know, and I even heard a story, I think, that Jamie, when he was younger, had to go to high school or middle school maybe with a, a collar on his neck because they ran an angle where he got his neck broken. Sid broke um, his neck. Yeah, yeah, Sid broke his neck. And he had to end up going to school. And he said he hated that, man. So, you know, I get that. But, hey, at the same time, you know, I, I know you know that story probably better than I do, but I, I'm, I'm just remembering from an interview I saw him give there. And, and you were you, – so you, Tommy's arm was broken. And then you had another story you wanted to insert. Then, then the next thing would be the, the revenge back from that is that, okay, I had the mullet with the, the curly cues in the back, you know, and mm-hmm. – uh, so on Memphis TV, they jumped me and cut my cut my uh, mullet off. Yeah. So which leads Beautiful to um, I, there was a thing where they were talking about our moms and all this kind of stuff, and that's when it got really heated, and that's how the parents got brought into it. Tommy's <laughs> mommy and, yeah. and my mommy got brought into it, uh, and and also them cutting my hair led to the hair match in which Doug returned out of nowhere. Okay. Uh, yeah. It was a hair match, and Doug comes in at the end with the ether, uh, smothers Jamie with the ether, one, two, three, and we end up having to get our heads shaved uh, in the middle of the ring at the Mid-South Coliseum. Yeah, and, and that 
that was, I think, on March 4th, if my dates are correct here. But anyway, long story short, that was massive. You had an awesome mullet. By the way, kids, if you want to know what a good mullet is, go back and look at the 80s and 90s wrestling. <laughs> Seriously, those guys were the kings yep. of the mullet. And, and right. you know... That Wolfie, you had a great one. I think we just saw the. I, I posted the video on our Facebook, the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast Facebook page. Go like and support, follow that all there. That's our biggest active page, by the way. And we just posted a teaser video for this whole episode, and that was in it. And you could see your mullet was just flowing. So to know that months later that was gone, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So then that leads up to the super card at the Coliseum. So what? tell me stories about your mom. Was she happy to be involved with it, you know? Uh, oh, man, my mother was so proud of me, man. Um, it, that I did that for her, man. I really did, man, because yeah. she was, you know, uh, such a huge wrestling fan. And then to know that her son got in it and, and was, you know, doing well at it and to be able to – uh, have the positioning to be able to bring my mom in on it. Uh, I know that made, uh, that, that meant a lot to her. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I know it is. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Uh, no, anyway, good, um, yeah. Um, yeah, that meant a lot to my mom and it, it meant a lot for the angle. It just brought so much realism into it, especially then when Tommy brings his mom in and, you know, we're doing all that, and then I bring my stepdad. It was it was a it was a believable angle that obviously entertained the people because they bought bought a lot of tickets. Yeah, and hey, that that's what they're saying here throughout these notes that I have here of how many people were coming to these Coliseum shows. They they broke another record at the Memphis Coliseum, and I don't know how you you do more than a to the rafters sellout, but then you did it again and it was more people. So however you're doing it, you all were hitting on magic there. And yeah. so basically what it says here is at this point, there's something happens. Jamie is selling his neck and you were wrestling singles against the family here, the gorgeous George the third. Basically they start to pin in on you at this time, late March, early April. Do you have any memories of Jamie selling a neck injury yeah. and then you that wrestling was the, singles? That was the case. That was at the end of the cage match. Uh, yeah. Tommy pile drive Jamie through a table. Now okay. the, the behind the scenes story on that is usually when you when you get tables, you need the eight foot ones. Well, yeah. they bought a six foot table. Those are harder oh, to break. Right. So when Tommy pile drive Jamie through that table, instead of it breaking in the middle and you know collapsing the fucking thing just exploded and they went through it, literally through it. Like there was oh, the frame, the, the, the wood busted out and they went through the table instead of right. it collapsing. And when they did some, there was a screw sticking out uh, of those metal rails that ripped Tommy's back. I mean, from his ass all the way up to his shoulder blades, man. Oh, it my got God. It good. Yeah. It got him good, man. I don't think he had to have stitches or anything, but it ripped the shit out of his back. I remember that. So, And I yeah. think James actually, I think he went back to uh, Mexico without me during that time. I think either that or he just wanted some time off. I can't remember which one it was. I think he went gotcha. back to Mexico. But I know he went without me uh, once. So yeah. at any rate, then is when uh, I had – 
Mabel is a partner, Big Viscera. Uh, yeah. I had my step. I know we worked a six man with with Mabel, my stepdad, myself against uh, Tommy, Doug, and George. Um, so some stuff like that was happening right there. You're piecing this together perfectly, man. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, folks, to get your official Live It In Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. There's some interesting notes at this time. Brian Lee, I know he had been in CWA Memphis wrestling before, but he officially shows up in, in USWA at this time. I know he became your partner. We're going to have a thousand stories about Brian Lee, but tell us some early story about Brian Lee. Did you interact with him much at that time? Um, I had met Brian in Puerto Rico when we went there. He was down there. He didn't. He yeah. wasn't there long while I was there, um, mm-hmm. but I got to interact with him a little bit down there. Uh, never worked with him. I don't think I've ever worked against Brian. I don't, I'm not, I can't remember, but, um, yeah, so I met him in Puerto Rico. Um, and then, like you said, later on, me and him became, uh, the new church with, with James Mitchell, which clicked. Right. I have to say that out of all my partners that I've had, Jamie, obviously, uh, we clicked the best, but me and Brian clicked almost on that level. And it was it was it was good stuff. Well, see, at that time you guys were seasoned veterans, but you were still young. It was crazy because yeah. I remember watching the early TNA days. It was like you guys really, you know, you but you know, you both were working the new gimmick. I know Brian didn't really change his look as much as you did, but at the same time, you all working in a tag team was a new gimmick for him. And then you had kind of revamped yourself entirely, as we've said before. And honestly, you had really brought out your dark side and you guys clicking together. That was awesome. So to me, you know, I remember the old days, the blonde hair, long blonde hair, primetime Brian Lee. I remember when he showed up as the undertaker, I was like, dude, that's Brian Lee, you know, like what's up? (laughs) And uh, so anyway, long story, I don't want to get too much in the weeds on that, but Brian, we'll talk about, him a lot more coming up i promise also mabel now that's another guy wow i've heard great stories about mabel i never personally got to meet him but at that time tell us a little bit of stories about mabel what do you think seeing this gigantic house of a man walk in the building <laughs> i had okay so me and jamie had ridden around with uh him and mo when they were the harlem knights uh right. i guess 
couple of years before whatever. And my first thing uh, was they were, Mabel was driving, Mo was in the passenger seat. I'm sitting behind Mabel, Jamie's next to me. I can't, we were pulling out of a drive-thru or something, and I don't remember what was said, uh, but Mabel didn't like it. And he said, Wolfie, I may joke and I may play, but I don't remember what the last words were. Not like I'm going to kick your ass. or It was something letting me know that whatever I said was not cool with him, <laughs> and I don't remember right. what it was. But, but that, was, yeah. that was that. Then down the road, I mean – Dude, I had a match with Mabel, or actually it was, it was I want to say it was, might have been Mabel and George, but man, he made me look like a million dollars. He sold his ass off for me because he liked me at that point. If Mabel likes you, right. he's going to work with you. And he can go, yeah. or he could go for a guy that big. And the only thing, I mean, you, you'd expect everything a guy that size does would kill you, but... For instance, uh, a belly to belly from him, I thought, oh my God. And he belly to belly me. It was like I got sucked into a big giant pillow and slammed (laughs) over. It was like he was, he was like soft. (laughs) His, his, uh, you know, hit the ropes while you're laying down and do the splash on you. That wasn't too bad considering he was fucking 500 pounds. The only thing I remember that was like, motherfucker, was. He shot Jamie into the corner, then shoots me on top of Jamie, and then comes in for the splash in the corner. And I swear to God, my spine touched Jamie. It had to him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, like I said, Mabel was awesome, man. I loved him as a person. He was a great dude. Um, Hung out with him some. Um, I I, I liked him a lot, man. Every time I'd see him, he'd be happy to see me and, you know, vice versa. So. Yeah, yeah, and and that's awesome. And rest in peace to him too. You know, golly, yeah. man, think of how many just good people. I look, I look at some of my pictures, man. I've got a big tote full of pictures from up throughout the years, and I often sit there and I go, "He's dead. He's dead. He's dead." Yeah. You know, and damn. And some of them were my friends, and some of them were, you know, when you're in the business, man, you may not be the best of friends, but there's that common bond. Uh, brotherhood but then you know a lot of those guys were i I would consider my friends uh but then some were just guys that i'd worked with and clicked with and maybe not a friend but a a good acquaintance you know what i'm saying so right exactly yeah man weird yeah And, and you know that's the thing at this time you know you guys and tommy and doug the feud the official part of the feud now you'll end up wrestling Tommy and George the third again uh, in in few weeks here, but uh, the Tommy and Doug feud officially ends because they move on to to Jerry Lawler at this time, and then their focus moves on to Jerry Lawler. So at this time, on the fifteenth of April, it says you were defeated by Brickhouse Brown, rest in peace, and the Gambler after Gorgeous George the third interferes. Now I think that was. Um, you know, the early precursor to you guys losing, you know, you, you where you all lose the, the titles to them. What it says here is that, you know, Meltzer's note is, is not to knock, but the USA, it proves that it doesn't have a good follow-up to Tommy and Doug. And not to knock Brickhouse Brown, not to knock the gambler, but at the same time, you guys, it, it's almost like a bit of a step down, is it not? Yeah, um, and as great of a worker as Brickhouse was. Um, right. 
I'll be honest with you, that gambler guy was good, and I loved that gimmick for some reason. I'm a gimmick guy, and I thought that was cool. Yeah. It was original, uh, and I think it was. It, 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 he could have done more with it. And I think they could have done more with it as far as uh, pushing it or whatever. The only knock on him was he was everything he did was Arn Anderson. If you watch yeah. him work, everything he did was almost spot on to how Arn would do it. I mean, every right. single move about, uh, and that would be the reason probably that he didn't go further because yeah. you got to, you'll see things that I do, uh, from some of my heroes, but I don't do everything they do. Like they did it. I use a mix of a whole bunch of shit and also my own stuff. And I, it may sound conceited, but once I got into the wrestling business, I pretty much quit watching anything but myself. Right. At every Saturday after TV, uh, we had a couple of places in Memphis there that we could go. People would tape the show for us, and we'd go watch it. And yeah. the reason I was watching that is because I wanted to see, okay, don't ever do that again, or right. continue to do that, or change this like that, or blah, blah, blah. So I just right. critiqued myself and, and really didn't pay attention to too much other stuff, you know? Well, it's like a football player riding the plane home watching film, you know? I mean, that that's how it is, you know? You guys were watching film to see how it works, to see how it doesn't work. I mean, fine-tuning, right. that's it's, actually what I would consider I the peak of professionalism to me, you know? so Yeah, and I see a lot of these guys, you know, post on Facebook, oh, watching this match under the learning tree and blah, blah, blah. That's fine. But honestly, sure. if you – watched enough wrestling by the time you get into it you need to be watching yourself in my opinion you need to be seeing yeah. what your shit looks like instead of marking out because that's what i call it everybody now you know it was taboo man back then to to really do that um yeah you, you yeah. just do that because yeah. Yeah. why sit there and watch what the fans are watching i don't know and then i know that's changed and i know a lot of people would highly disagree with what i'm saying but i feel like you should watch your shit and uh, I don't know. That's just my opinion. That's the way I did it. Hey, that's, that's a live and in color with Wolfie D podcast exclusive right there, kids. Watch your own stuff. You know, it's great to want to be the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express and PG-13. It's great to take things from those teams. God knows a thousand people have taken from PG-13, <clears throat> John Cena. Um, but at the same time, think about it in the terms of, how can you make yourself better? And sure, borrowing things, doing little tributes to other teams you like or, or other wrestlers you like. But at the same time, what got PG-13 ahead was their originality, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're working your originality. Got us the job. I mean, we could work. We could work. But right. the gimmick got us the job to, you know, the first break. Uh, and, yeah. and as you just mentioned, so many people, and I can kind of tell you that story of uh, when we first got, you know, I don't care. People can look. We were the first ones to do that. We were the first ones to do the, the hot gimmick and the shorts and the tennis shoes and all that shit. Then came Public Enemy, and then came John mm -hmm. Cena, and then came Too Cool, and then came blah, 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 blah. Uh, right. And they trying to, because of, and I'm going to jump here to 95. This is still 95, and this was our first shot at WWE and this is going to lead into what I'm saying about the, you know, reasons why they copied us and things. Um, sure. 
So Grand Rapids, Michigan, you've probably got that on your paper there, uh, WWE uh-huh. Raw. Lawler gets us the shot because Lawler always liked us. Uh, so we go in, and it's when they take two weeks at a time. Uh, the right. first show go on against Sonny Rogers and Al Brown. You can't keep Al Brown down. That's the commentary. Vince and uh, yep. Lawler yep. commentary. That line sticks out of my head like crazy. Um, well, Vince is giving you crap, and Lawler's like, really? You don't like them? You know, that kind of stuff. You <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. And, and, and Vince yeah. even gets us confused. He starts calling right. me Jason and him Wolfie D. Anyway, so uh, we go up. They give us they give us a win. My first match on Monday Night Raw is a win um, yeah. with our finish. You know, uh, leading up to the reason they did that is because they um, the next week was actually the same night, but the next week we faced the Smoking Guns for the tag team titles. They announced us as USWA tag team champions. We didn't know anything about that because, you know, Vince was, especially then, acknowledging other other promotions was just a thing that didn't happen. So did not happen, we, didn't bring no. our, we didn't bring our belts with us. So we could have walked out on Raw with the USWA tag team titles, but we didn't have them with us because we didn't figure that would be a thing. So uh, we have that match. We get the win. Then against the Smoking Guns, it's a two-segment uh, match, meaning they go to commercial, two segments, competitive, not a squash job, but yes, of course, we end up getting beat by them, uh, but I don't think that hurt us, and they even, right. uh, they let the Smoking Guns come to Memphis at the Coliseum and wrestle us there right. on our home turf, uh, same thing, and I can't remember how we did the finish, it was it was obviously in a way not to hurt us, but we couldn't beat them, uh, but right. I don't remember what the was but um at any rate that's how we got up there the first time um and this was before okay this was 1995 you may can help me on this i believe 96 97 is when kind of the mexican invasion and cruiserweight thing became big right so cw yep you're exactly right they they loved when we were up there they loved our gimmick. They loved our work. They loved right. our interview. This was the first time I had ever done a promo with a teleprompter telling me what to say. Okay. And yeah. it fucked me up. It fucked Jamie up. Cause we're used to coming up with our own shit and doing it in our own words. That's just how you used to do it. And, and me and him always were one take dudes, man. Uh, and I pride, prided myself and us on being able to do that. So this teleprompter, and I'm trying to read it while I'm doing it, and, you know, we both fucked up more than once. Finally, we just looked at the camera guys, and we said, and I forget who was the agent there with us or whatever, and said, look, we're not used to this, and this ain't, these ain't even things that I would say. I said, can you give me the points that you want me to hit and let us do it ourselves? And they're kind of like, what? (laughs) 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 So they did. They turned the teleprompter off. And we fucking nailed it. Boom. And they, they like, clapped yeah. for it. They were like, guys, that was fucking great. We're like, yeah, because yeah, I can't read something that I didn't fucking say or <laughs> would say. Right, so right. both of those interviews that you see are us, them just telling us, hey, okay, say basically this. And so we did. Boom. And so both of those interviews are teleprompter off. 
live and in color. <laughs> right, um, right. So, okay, back to the, the cruiserweight thing. Bruce Pritchard was the hiring guy at the time. Like I said, they loved everything. They loved the interviews mm-hmm. and the fact that we could do it on the fly and, you know, all that shit. Love the gimmick. Love the gimmick. But Bruce, and, you you know, during that time, you had to be a fucking monster to work up there. You had to be fucking at least 6'4 and, you know, 250. Um, so Bruce said, guys, we love it, but you're just too small for this company. Yeah. So... Basically, what I'm saying right there is we were, it was a timing thing. We were just a little ahead of our time because then a year later, everybody's smaller than us flying the yep. fuck around on Nitro and, and, right. and Raw. It's like, fuck. <laughs> timing, so, you know? Yeah. 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 And then, and then, you know, later on down the line, you know, they, well, uh, just uh, briefly, of course, we got the call back to do the Nation of Domination thing, and they were supposed to break us off into a tag team because by then we could be small and wrestle because the, right. the cruiserweight thing was a thing then, and that was yeah. 1996-97. But just quickly, uh, we, you know, we fucked ourselves on that. But at, at any rate, then you start seeing them putting our gimmick on other people because, you know, we had, uh, we had uh, kind of – like I said, fucked ourselves. But anyway, we can go back to yeah. the other stuff. <laughs> no, and when you're the star of the show, by the way, you can jump anywhere you want, brother. I'm never <laughs> going to tell you not to. That's why we're doing this. I want it to be off the cuff and real, like a conversation yeah. being had between two guys in the car riding to the next town. So uh, right. we're going to talk about WWE. We're going to get in depth. I have some extra questions on the timing of that. Uh, we'll figure all that out. But thank you for that awesome story. That was amazing. So coming back a little bit further back here, and and really, folks, we're almost done today. We've had some great stories. We wanted to tribute to the, those that have passed. So really, the the next few episodes, you're going to really want to tune in as well. So right now, turning it back a little bit, uh, you took the titles back at the Coliseum. You took them away from Brickhouse and the Gambler. Tell me a little something. What do you remember about Brickhouse? Do you, do you have a quick story about Brickhouse? Oh, man, I got something I'd probably rather not tell. Uh, okay. But, uh, <laughs> Around, Maybe hung around Brick a lot, man. Brick was awesome. Uh, I yeah. enjoyed Brick's work. I stole, that's one person I stole some things from. Uh, the way that Brick would, uh, and, and some other wrestlers do it too, but I, I saw Brickhouse do it. Uh, like, say I hit toss a guy and I'm waiting on him for an arm drag. Instead of just standing there, do a little dance in between there. You know, shuffle your feet, whatever, like you're waiting on him, boom, boom, boom. I stole yeah. that from Brickhouse. Um, yeah. I used to love the way Brickhouse would duck a clothesline with a, a roll. And today, that you see that all the time, but you really didn't see that yeah. that much back then. So when yeah. we did the cyberpunk gimmick, our thought process was, okay, let's don't wrestle like us. We got we to gotta change some stuff here. So that right. was actually a challenge, kind of a fun challenge, and still, still being able to work, but also changing my move set up, the way I – the way I did certain things, I tried not to do them like Wolfie D. I tried to do them like Cyberpunk Fire would do it. And yeah, at that time, yeah. the Power Rangers were hot. <clears throat> and that's the reason I think that gimmick got over so well with the kids. And we sold so many damn pictures uh, with yeah. the kids is because of that. Um, but, yeah, just I stole that from Brickhouse. The, um, just the way he would make it. Because there, there can be a dull moment. I see that um, right. a lot. Is 
in between moves, what are you doing? What are you doing just right. standing there? You know what I mean? Right. I used to, right. I had my reference school. And something else people may not know is that I ran the USWA uh, Academy for quite a few months uh, during this period of time on Sundays outside at Jerry Jarrett's house. Fucking hot. Um, and that's where I met James Storm um, on a side note. And he came to the school, and that's where I started training James Storm. Um, but yeah, Brickhouse man, he was awesome. He had his demons. I do too. Um, I, I was I, I heard from him not too long before he passed. He called me, and uh, we cried together. I mean, he knew he was fixing to go, and I was close enough to him where, I mean, if that tells you anything that we cried together, that'd tell you how yeah. close I was to um, absolutely. But he knew he was fixing to go, and it was a very, very sad conversation. Uh, but I always enjoyed working with him. For, um, you know, I worked with him a lot, and he was a he was a hell of a talent. But you know, certain things uh, held Brick back. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Wolfie. Really, we're about to wrap up this segment of the podcast today. Of course, we have our current affairs that we like to, you know, surprise you with and make you uh, have to say things off the top of your head. It's it's fun for me. So May 20th, you and Brian uh, Christopher defeat Bill and Jamie in a tag match to earn a future title match versus Owen Hart and Yokozuna. They were the current WWF tag champs. Of course, that was USWA and WWF working together a USWA kind of as a feeder and a training system for them. I don't want to say minor leagues because that puts the USWA on a level that I don't think is deserved because I personally right. think USWA is on the same level as the Jim Crockett. Now, people may say, dude, you're an idiot, but I personally think that. It may have been the way well, that I was watching it at the time, but personally, yeah. I think they're on the same level to me, you know. But I'll just and, say this, man. I challenge anybody to be able to the the and I and I knew the behind the scenes stuff of how tough it was because you know you had Saturday morning TV live at Memphis well you'd go to Nashville and you would do what was done last week on TV all the other towns were a week behind so yeah. you would do Saturday TV go to Nashville do last week's shit go to Memphis do what you just did on TV Go to Louisville, do last week's shit, Evansville last week's shit, and then whatever spot shows you had on Thursday or Friday. Uh, so, and, and then getting those tapes out, because then they had, to, they had to get the tape, edit it, and mail it to the other TV stations. So, right. I mean, there's a lot right. that went into that shit, man. And also, oh, yeah. six days a week, twice on Saturday. That's <laughs> a tough schedule. That's a tough schedule, man, for your body. Uh, right. You know, and, and, and it was all driving. I mean, we were driving average probably 1,500, 2,000 miles a week. So yeah. I don't know how that could be considered uh, minor league. Hell, the guys now don't work that much. And, and believe right. me, it, it, I worked hurt so many times, you know, and, and I don't mean to, to knock, but, dude, these guys get a fucking hangnail and don't want to work or, you know, get yeah. off or however that yeah. shit goes. Um, I worked with a – my back was so screwed up. I've had, I went to the ring with a weight belt on one time, and I could not bump. Because if I would have bumped, I wouldn't have got back up. And oh, I was working with Brian Christopher. And for his comeback, the best I could do, every time he'd punch me, I'd stagger back and bounce off the second rope and back up to him. <laughs> bounce back okay. up to the second rope. 
Yeah. That was the best thing to do, but I was out there doing it, and my spine was so screwed up, I had to go to the chiropractor and get worked on for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I've been in the ring with the fucking flu. I actually, swear to God, wrestled in a hoodie because I was so fucking cold and had the chills and a fever. Um, I worked for Bird wow. one time, a flash, with a legitimate bad, bad ankle injury that I had a cast on and crutches, and I, you know, I made do with it. I told them, you know, we did the deal where I just wasn't going to not be in this match. Bert tried to tell me, no, no, no. And I'm talking about it in front of the people. No, we can't let you do this. And I yeah. did it. I just hobbled around on fucking one foot. It wasn't the greatest match ever, but it made sense. And the people knew I was legitimately hurt. And um, so we did shit like that, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that's another thing, kids, take the notes on this, you know, w working that extra and think about if you were a normal nine to five guy, think about, put yourself in the shoes of a professional wrestler. It is the same thing as you driving to work every day, but on the way to work, you get in a car accident and on the way home, you get in a car accident and then you still work eight hours and you do it every day yeah. except maybe one day of the week you don't work think about that nobody would be able to do that I, i've been told that every time you take a bump it's like a car accident and i you know, yeah it's to like me, the, i read that an article total about sense. that yeah a doctor wrote an article about that it's like a i forget a 10 mile an hour just the basic bump is like a 10 mile an hour car wreck something like that um and i don't know how much time we got, but i have we just mentioned car wrecks and there's a classic story that I can tell you it's a little bit little this bit long, but I think this is a good way to end the show. Yeah, uh, this will be it. it. Kind, of, yep. kind of something 1995, and to to explain what I said about we were over, we were over. To this day, yeah. I don't know how we probably aren't still in jail after this. So we have a match at, in, it's in Jackson, Tennessee. It's at a mm -hmm. bar. Okay? okay. Now there's a parking lot, and across the parking lot there, is a titty bar that had just recently been shut down. That's where we dressed at. So you go in there, everybody hung out in there, walk across the parking lot, go into the bar, have your match. Me and Jamie are supposed to wrestle Tommy and Doug that night. So we get there and we're in this abandoned, recently abandoned titty bar. And we look in the coolers behind the bar and there's still beer in them. So I can uh, probably not ha even have to say that right. we started drinking beer that was in the coolers yeah, and maybe doing a few other things that somebody brought with them. Right. So Vitamin. by the time we get to the ring, I'll be honest with you, I don't even remember the match. Yeah. But I've had that happen before. And then for me, it's like riding a bicycle. It might not have been my greatest, but I guarantee it, 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 it worked. So sure. at any rate... Some of this, what I'm telling you, I do not remember. The reason I know it is because the next day I had to go back to the bar and apologize to the staff and everything. So we have our match. Well, me and Jamie had ridden there with some girl that, that he was messing with or whatever in her car. Okay. So this is a Friday night. We got to be at TV at 830 in the morning. So we stay, and after the matches, we stay. You know, everything's on the house. And they said that me and Jamie probably took two shots of everything on their shelf, plus drinking <laughs> some beer and whatever else. 
so somewhere in the night there, it gets rowdy enough to where the bar is closed. Pretty much most of the patrons are gone, except for people that we wanted to stay with us. And let's just say there was some uh, public uh, sexual activity going on. I mean, it was it was mm -hmm. a mess. Somewhere right. in there, uh, Jamie thinks that I'm hitting on the girl that he's with. And, and, and I must say this, too. This, is, this would not be the first time this happened with me and Jamie. Uh, so anyway, I think I followed him into the bathroom. He went to the bathroom. Well, we get in a fight. And when the bouncers came in, I had Jamie by the head, like slamming the back of his head into the walls back and <laughs> forth, like the movies where they, you know, change and go to the next wall. Right. And then I grabbed the plunger, the toilet plunger, and it was wooden. And when they walked in, I was beating him over the head with it, and it had broken. So I was just beating him with the stick on top of the head. And Jamie's <laughs> head was he was bleeding everywhere. There was blood on the walls, everything. And so I do, at this point, I remember them, you know, one grabbing me by each arm, pulling me backwards, me kicking at him. So needless to say, they throw us out and, and lock the door. Well, so here we are standing outside this bar. However it happened, we weren't mad at each other anymore because we realized that the keys to the car were, were locked in the bar. So we're beating on this door. Jamie's bleeding everywhere. We got this girl, if you can imagine that scene. <laughs> so sure. yeah. they, they, they give us the keys, but we decide we're hungry still in this state. And, you know, I think Jamie might've tried to clean up a little bit, but we went across the interstate over to the Waffle House. Well, you know how Jamie is, and I'm not going to say any more other than our waitress was not white. Mm-hmm. They didn't have something that he wanted. He threw a fucking fit. We get kicked out of there. So then we decide, and now Jackson is 80 miles from Memphis, okay? So we got to get to a hotel. By this point, it's fucking 3 o'clock in the morning. We got to be there at 8.30, and we're fucking slammed. So we go over to the Exxon, buy a 12-pack, start heading back to Memphis. And I've got the 12-pack at my feet. The girl's in the back. Danny's driving. I'm watching Jamie drive as best I can, and he and, and like I said, now the interstate is very empty at that time of the night. Of course, mm -hmm. he is swerving from one lane to the other and back. I mean, bad, 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 bad. And so I Man. said, Jamie, and we had done this before. Like if he needed to reach for something in the back, whatever, you know how you just reach over from the from the passenger seat and grab the wheel. Yeah. So I said, Jamie, you're fucking up, dude. I said, we're going to get pulled over. I said, let me have the fucking wheel. So I grabbed the wheel, and I put one hand over one eye so I could squint to be able to see not double, because I was seeing double. Right, yeah. So little did I know, when I grabbed the wheel, Jamie kept his foot on the gas and fucking went to sleep. Oh, man. Passed out. And I didn't know that, because I'm not oh, looking at him. Man. I'm concentrating on the fucking road. Yeah. So... <laughs> then I realized that I can't even fucking do it. I'm like, I, there's no way I can drive like this fucking 70 more miles to fucking, you know, how many far down the road we were. Right. To Memphis. So I let go of the wheel and I said, brother, I can't do it. You're going to have to do it. Now, keep in mind, he's asleep right now. And so I lean over and put my head against the, the, the window and I go to sleep. So he's got his foot on the gas. 
We're both in the front seat asleep. Yeah. I guess the girls are sleeping back too. So next thing I know, mm-hmm. damn, we both fucking hit the fucking windshield. Fucking Jamie wakes up, grabs the fucking wheel, and we skid off into the median. Well, mm. thank God what we hit was something traveling in our direction. It was another car. We hit him in the ass end. So I start panicking. I'm like, holy fuck, we're going to jail. We're going to jail, you know. And so the beer that's in, in the front seat with me, I open the pack up, and now we're in the median, and I start humming these motherfuckers, throwing them, throwing them. I'm trying yeah, yeah. to get across the interstate into the woods over there. Right. I was so screwed up that I threw the beer all around the car. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so then, and, and, and brother, I'm telling you, I know this sounds outrageous, and people listening may sound like, oh, no fucking way. But I'm no, we believe God. it. Sorry. And this is, this is a testament to how over we were. So anyway, uh, here comes a cop, uh, state trooper, black guy. Uh, he puts us in the back of the car. Well, he's letting Jamie get in and out. What Jamie's doing is he's going up to these, we hit these three old ladies, right? Yeah. And he is talking that shit. And yeah. he convinces ladies not to let the ambulance come, that it will be cheaper on their insurance if they just go to the doctor in the morning because they weren't really hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So no ambulance shows up. No other cops show up. Okay. We're in the back of the car. You know, we are reeking of alcohol. You know, we are. Right. And this cop says, he says, you guys been drinking tonight? No, sir. <laughs> He wrote something down. He said, this beer that's all around y'all's car, does that belong to y'all? No, sir. <laughs> yeah. We just crashed it. We crashed into a 12-pack. Uh, so he wrote something Ooh. down. The next thing I know, Jimmy, this is the crazy part. The tow truck shows up because the car wouldn't start. Jamie tried to start as soon as we wrecked and take off. Thank God that didn't yeah. happen. That probably wouldn't But Right. They put the car on the tow truck. Them ladies are gone, okay? Them ladies drove away. No ambulance, no money. Just that one cop is there. They don't right. have dash cams back, none of that shit. So they put the car on the tow truck. Me and Jamie and the girl get in the front seat with the tow truck driver. He drives us to Memphis, drops the car and us at the Motel 6. We wake up the next morning and just look at each other like, what in the fuck? How are we not under the jail right now? <laughs> and so when we get to TV, you know, the bar had already called, you know, telling on us and everything. And that's why I said I had to go back and apologize. But so the story of the reason we got let go is because that, because some of the old timers, you know, we're telling them what happened, blah, blah, blah. Like Tommy and then they're, they're like, was it a black Hey, Trooper. Yeah. So he had a reputation for letting the boys go. Um, I forget. They had a nickname for him. I, I can't remember what it was. Something like Smokey Bear or something. I don't know. Sure. But at yeah. any rate, that is how the story concludes. We did not go to jail. Never heard nothing else about it. And I went and apologized. And end of story. So I just, to this day, it still baffles me when I tell it. Yeah. I mean, that's like a movie. 
dude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. It, it, the funny thing is, is that is y'all like people talk about living the gimmick, but wow, that is living the yeah. gimmick right there. Yeah. So that is the best way we could wrap up this section of the podcast, honestly. So we're going to head into current affairs. DJ, hit the music. It's a current affair. It's a current affair. All right, we're back to current affairs. So the first thing, of course, was the passing of Bobby Eaton, Burt Prentice, and the assassin. That we've covered in, in full. And rest in peace to all three men, great men as they were. Yeah. The, the second item I have today is one of the bigger news uh, stories for wrestling is, is Bray Wyatt, who I, you know, mm. was released by the WWE. And I don't know if you're familiar with Bray. I'm sure yep. you've heard a little bit about him. But well, what do you think about that? Well, what's going on there? That doesn't make any sense. To me. I actually do know him. Um, I met him when I lived in Tampa. Uh, never worked with him or anything like that. And it, it was uh, Fandango uh, is a friend of mine, and um, I met him yeah, in Tampa yeah. as well. Uh, and he knew Bray. Um, they're, they're buddies, so that's how I met Bray. And uh, it was it was funny, man, because I figured you know this dude. Even though I've worked with his daddy. Um, so it was just funny that, I mean, he just out of the, you know, hey, Wolfie, how's, how's Jamie? You know, it's like he knew, he knew me, right. you know, and because and, and, I'm not like that. I'm not like, uh, these young guys should know me. No, I figure, you know, of course, I don't know who the fuck I am. But anyway, he right. did, and yeah, super, super nice guy, man, super nice guy. Now, I have seen the, the stuff he does. I love it. I think he's a, a good worker, and I love that gimmick, man. I mean, you know, I'm I a gimmick too. guy. And uh, I think it's great. I don't know why they would do that. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. got to be something to it. I mean, because why would you let the guy go that's got one of the best gimmicks and is the most over guy you got? Why would you let him go? I don't. That makes zero sense to me unless there's some kind of work going on. Right. Uh, I've right. kind of thought a little bit about, I mean, you see AEW's getting some people, and it could be a, yeah. a, a Vince tactic to try to, kayfabe start a fucking you know another monday night war i don't know I mean, maybe 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 yeah or it could have been i mean i you know yeah it could have been something I with was, bray i don't know right right i heard that he was making a big contract and i'm i'm you know it seems like they're cutting yeah. the big contract guys but you know it's funny to me he's one of the most you, you you're getting what you're paying for with that guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you're, I would he's say extremely, so. you know, he's extremely inventive and creative. I mean, that yeah. you just like you said, you, you're a gimmick guy. That is the biggest gimmick they've got, in my personal opinion. I yeah. loved it when he came in and he was this slick talking New Orleans cult yeah. leader guy. You know, and yeah. I've liked all of it. Start. I, yeah, I mean, I thought you know, and and I love those second generation guys. I like those guys. Anyway, ridiculous that he was fired. Unless, like you said, it's some sort of work, or maybe he wished it so. You know, maybe he asked for yeah. it. I don't know. So, or even if it is what they're saying, budget cuts. I'm not. I don't know all the ins and outs of uh, the whole Peacock deal or whatever, but. You know, sometimes there's executives that don't give a fuck about uh, how over somebody is. You know, they're they're looking at those numbers on the payroll sheet and how much money's coming in and how much money's going out. So you never Bottom know. Line. 
Yeah. Anyway, well, that, that'll that befuddle us as we go here. Another thing I thought was hilarious, you know, Nick Gage, we talked about him last week wrestling Matt Cardona. Now he wrestled Jericho this week in Jericho's seven levels of whatever he has to get to to fight the MJF guy. But long story short, uh-huh. at the same time that he was using his gimmicked up pizza cutter, they were doing a picture-in-picture advertisement and a Domino's pizza ad pops up at the same time. <laughs> Do you now knowing you got you if you were the guy you would have totally done that you would have placed that ad at that time knowing I don't think they did that because personally I feel like advertisements you know I don't think Vince or Tony Khan have ads at their button and they just say play the Domino's one now play the Hertz Rent a Car you know the, I don't know the, I hearing that I believe that was done on purpose. You think? And I love well, it. Oh, hey, I do too. I think it's great. It, I can see that purpose. being Jericho's idea. Yeah, well, hey, and I love that. But if that if they did that on purpose, I love it. But golly, yeah, he's genius. holding up the the. I mean, that's genius because I mean, he did kind of walk around as Jericho's laying there, so that's hilarious. Actually, I see your point yeah. now that I think about it. Anyway, pizza cutter. You know, that's got to be some sort of gimmicked up pizza cutter, right? I mean, he's not really laying into him with the one we've got in the door. Uh, here my house, I would right? say, it, it, I mean, it, it could be either or. He, he's probably working it. It could be dulled yeah. a little bit. I mean, it's easy to dull yeah. one of those, with, you know. Sure. Uh, but then again, he might have said, hard way me, you know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just, you know, Jericho, he was already bleeding in that match. So I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, would you let a guy hammer at you, especially a guy like Nick Gage who – Maybe didn't go through the training that everybody else did. <laughs> uh, it depends on. I mean, I've I've let people hard way me before, and uh, yeah, it all depends on the situation. I mean, most right, you know, make money, man, and he's also uh, kind of got a a bit of personal stake in it that he wants this thing to to succeed. So, okay. you know, I could see him saying, "Man, just do it." Just don't go yeah. all the way across my, you know, digging one spot yeah. right there. Uh, but my hell, face off. Yeah. You know, I've let, I let, well, sometimes too, like, and that's probably the case here, but like some nights I would bleed, you know, six nights a week and I had to bleed on certain things. I wouldn't even have to, to use a blade. I could just tell them to punch me real hard and that blade job from last night and it would bust open. So <laughs> that would open it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, that, that, uh, I remember hearing about Sabu that it was like Sabu was like that. Basically any given night you could punch Sabu and he was going hard way. Cause that just, you know, yeah. Have yeah. you ever hard weighed in the wrong way though? Have you ever been at a restaurant and it just start bleeding or anything like that? <laughs> uh, I mean, it would be drippy sometimes, uh, the next day, depending yeah. on how deep I, um, and some of them have been hard to close. I was a, I was always the bleeder, you know, in yeah, PG-13. Right. And TNA, I ended up having to be in all these fucking wild matches with Raven and Sandman. And, right, and, Monsters you know, Ball. Was, and that's, yeah. yeah, and I was bleeding all the time. <laughs> yeah. I guess I kind of earned a, a rep in that way, I guess. Yeah, well, uh, you know, red equals green, I heard. So, you know, that's hopefully that was the case. Yeah. 
Well, cool. Well, that's my current affairs for the week. Honestly, I hate to be a downer, but the passing of those three men was the top of the current affairs. We covered that at the beginning of the episode. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. Wolfie, tell them about your your, uh, social medias here. We've got Live Wolfie D on Instagram and Twitter. We've got our Live live in Color with Wolfie D podcast Facebook page. And then do you have your personal page? Are you? you, Yeah, uh, I got my personal page. Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E, that's my personal page, and I don't mind if people get on there. Just don't be disrespectful because I do post yeah. personal stuff on that more than I do, obviously, anywhere else. But, yeah, man, um, I'm excited about this podcast. I hope we can, you know, get a lot of people listening here. I do have a lot to, to tell and to say, and, uh, you know, there's a there's a documentary on Amazon that, quite honestly, man, it's uh, – it wasn't done the right way, and I hate the guy that did it. We had a big yeah. falling out, and he hasn't yeah. paid me. So for those of you that see that on there, just know that I'm not making a dime off of that if you uh, decide to watch it. If someone else is making money off of that. So Yeah, try to uh, steal it somehow. Try to watch it for free <laughs> on some, yeah, like a Russian piracy website. Watch it on that yeah. instead of the uh, yeah. Amazon. <laughs> Yeah, send Wolfie $5, too, when you watch it every time. And then, so that leads me to another story. We have so many plans. We're talking with Pro Wrestling Tees about getting some T-shirts up. We're looking at possible action figures for the PG-13. Those would be the Jack bone-crunching action figures. There's definitely going to be minis, miniature action figures, uh, you know, probably uh, like three inches high. Those are already... Uh, I've seen the covers. I've seen the prototypes. Those are those are on the way. And that's another thing too. You've got the minis. You've got the trading cards coming out. Also, Wolfie, they can contact the website, the podcast Facebook page. You can PM us there. You can PM Wolfie directly on his Facebook page, on the Twitter, on the, anything we've got. You can contact us directly and get some autographed, personalized pictures of Wolfie D as well. And these are beautiful, eight by ten. He'll personalize them. Heck, if you want him to say. Whatever you want him to say, as long as he's cool with it, he'll write it on the picture too, you know. So if you want it for your kids, get a picture for your kids and get two, get three, get four, however many. Send Wolfie a message. If you send me a message, I'll get it to Wolfie. We'll get you a picture sent out, and it'll be a great price. It's a, it's honestly a bargain compared to a lot of the places that you, you know, you get them at. So contact yeah. Wolfie there. Let's also yeah. hit on the fact uh, we do have some sponsors. Uh, there's a yes. link. I believe you put it on the Facebook Live It In Color page where yes. you can be yes. a sponsor. There's three levels of sponsorship. Uh, right. There's one where we will mention you and talk about your business or just yourself if you'd like. Um, right. Or your product, whatever it is you want to plug. There's a second level right. where we'll do that. And I'll also send you 8 by 10 uh, signed however you right. like. And the third level right. is going to be those two things plus a phone call from me to you. So, and we'll play that on the podcast, you know? So yeah. Yeah. You want to get a little famous, get a little podcast love, get your name on there. Hey, go on to that sponsorship. That's on our anchor page. If you look on our Facebook page, you'll see all the opportunities. Click on that button. Click on the support button on our anchor page. It's anchor.fm slash Wolfie D. If you go on there, click support, there's three levels and we'll hook you up all that combined into that that's a heck of a deal wolfie you don't sell your pictures for no 4.99 i know that so that's a heck of a deal (laughs) 
So, you know, if you yeah. sign up for four ninety nine a month, you get that plus your name in the podcast. We're looking at new opportunities to add to that as well. There's different levels of sponsorship. I was thinking we should call the nine ninety nine the Wolf Pack too. What do you think? If there, you'll be a member of the Wolf Pack. It's W O L F E P A C K, not the NWO Wolf Pack. This is the real Wolf Pack because he's a wolf. <laughs> I think the nine ninety nine level will be the Wolf Pack. I think. I, I think. What do you think of that? You like that? Yeah. All right. No. Cool. Well, that's it, man. You know, I'm Jimmy Street. I'm James Rock Street on Instagram, Twitter, Live and in Color with Wolfie D Podcast, Facebook page. You contact me there. Contact anything. Also, James Rock Street on YouTube. I have some of my old band music on there. If you ever want to listen to uh, some music from the late 90s and early 2000s. That's my stuff. Thanks for listening. Up next, we're going to feature some other podcasts that we're friends with that we want to feature on here as well so you can get a little advertisement from that. Also, if you have a business or any kind of product and you know you basically sell it through our podcast, we'll be glad to create an advertisement for your business to where that way you can actually get advertisement through us, the podcast, to people that maybe never hear about your product. That's another thing we're looking at too, right, Wolfie? Yes, sir. All right. I just want to well, cool. We've gotten a lot of uh, likes and listeners so far. This uh, yeah, early on in this uh, in this venture. So I, I just yeah. hope everybody keeps tuning in, keeps sharing it, keep telling everybody to listen. Uh, yeah. And I just want to say thank you to the people that that have listened. Absolutely. And it, word of mouth is the best. If you tell one person about our podcast, it works in so many ways. Tell your best friend that you always watch wrestling with, you watch PG-13 with. Tell anybody that listens to wrestling podcasts, there's a new one out, and it's telling it like it is from Wolfie's perspective. I'm really looking forward to the rest of this year, Wolfie. I really am. So I hope you're excited too, brother. Absolutely. Like I said, I appreciate your enthusiasm. You've worked your butt off on this. And just publicly, I want to thank you. Uh, for for putting in the work that you're putting in for us. Well, I want us to be everything we can, and I really, gratefully, you're very welcome on that, Wolfie. It's my pleasure. I think you've got an amazing story, and I think the world needs to hear it, and that's what I'm here for. So with that, if you don't have anything else, Wolfie, I'm going to let the the people go here. Have a great day, Wolfie, and we'll talk soon, okay, buddy? You too. Thanks, everybody. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise. This team does it all. And all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling. Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. Stop!
pro wrestling fan, there's something for everyone at the Cheap Heat TV Podcast Network. From the Pro Wrestling Discussion Show, Cheap Heat TV Live, to the interview show, the Jackson Interaction Podcast with the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, to the silliness of the Whitey Jenkins Show, and the brand new Zip, Xander's Irresistible Podcast with Charles Anders. You can check them all out and much more over at CheapHeatTVLive.com. In a world that has been completely divided for so long, two movie fans have decided to unite for the people and the betterment of mankind. One, an action movie buff. The other, a horror movie fanatic. Together, they will try to bridge the gap of both genres into one podcast with their battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Listen along as Charlie and Nate alternate each week talking about action and horror movies they cherish, mostly from the VHS era. Also, including some modern examples that felt like the movies they grew up with by answering the battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram. I got a cat for you don't. He got a cat for you don't. I got a cat for you don't. He got a And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still lobbing in color. Don't rush your mother. Utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD. And I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip-hop Been doing it like this since 92 Played blow for a while and you thought I was through Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected Mad skills, no faking, there is no one great Cause I'm bringing more folks and over one for later Not here to play games, so you better be real You don't like me, so what? I really don't care Like time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped You set a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped When I finish, I'll straight knock you out Please allow me to tell you what it's all about Gonna wind it up Driving it home, it's Ruby D, baby. Huh? I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.